Well, I don't think God is necessarily a God who punishes, but I do think that this that's happening in our world is an opportunity for the Lord to show us um, something about ourselves, something about our world, something that we, we need, and it's going to be different for every person. Welcome to the Christian Music Archive podcast, conversations about Christ, community, and music. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Today, I'm talking with Sarah Hart. Now, I really enjoy sharing these conversations with you, but my time with Sarah was especially fun. We did a lot of laughing together, and and we talked about her experience as a songwriter and how she got started in music. But our chat quickly turns to this crazy pandemic and the political times we are experiencing in 2020. Now, I'll be one of the first to admit, I don't usually like talking about these subjects because they can come across as divisive, and I'm not someone who generally enjoys confrontation. But Sarah spoke with such love and compassion about the tools she is using to address these issues in her own life, and we shared these ideas and about the importance of being in community and in relationships with one another, and what that looks like in light of our relationship with the Lord Jesus. I really value Sarah's thoughts, and I'm excited to share them with you today. She also shares a really fun story about how she dealt with nerves while singing on one of the biggest stages in the world, singing in front of the Pope. So be sure to stick around to the end of our exchange to hear what that story is. It's a really fun one. But before we jump into our conversation, I'd like to ask for your help. Now, I have a number of expenses associated with producing this podcast every week, and while I recognize the value of having advertisers to help pay some of these costs, I'd really rather just keep this a conversation between music fans and the artists that we love. So I'm using Patreon as a way to ask for your support. There are a number of levels where you can support, and at each level, I've got some thank you gifts for you. You can help write the questions that I ask the artists. You can hear the podcast a week before the public does, and heck, I'll even I'll even include your name in the podcast if that's something you'd like. Head on over to patreon.com slash ccmexchange to find out how we can be connected in making and continuing these conversations. Again, that's patreon.com slash ccmexchange. Thanks for your interest and for your willingness to help out. Now, let's jump right into my chat with Sarah Hart. As I was preparing for our conversation today, I read an interview that you gave um, where you talked about an experience you had in high school auditioning for band camp. Um, and as I recall, the director asked you what you wanted to do with your life. And you said something like, what was it? A pediatrician or yeah. something like that. <laughs> but he had some other ideas for you. I'd, I'd love for you to tell that story if you'd want to start a conversation that way. Sure. Well, um, my band director in high school, his name was uh, Lon Cass, Mr. Cass. And I was a really super shy kid. I mean, introverted as they come scared of everything like you know the typical artist musician and um i was at band camp and he kind of pulled me over and asked me who i was and you know we got to talking and he's like what do you want to do with your life and i said you know i want to be a pediatrician and he laughed he laughed out loud like oh wow and he was like no you're going to be a musician and i think it was just the way that he because he had heard me play piano and sing and heard me play the flute and he was just like I'm sorry but you're doomed and I said you know well I, I really would like to make money and he's like well, I, I don't care you're going to be a musician <laughs> so that was the beginning of the end but he was right that that writing was on the wall I think from a really early age to tell you the truth so you started uh, playing because mom and dad forced you to 
uh, pick up the instruments or was that something you just enjoyed and did Absolutely. on your own? Absolutely. No one forced me to. I wanted to. I always wanted to. And my mother was in a whole bunch of different music groups when I was a kid. I mean, folk music groups. It was the 70s, you know, when I okay. was a child. So lots of folk music. And I grew up in southeastern Ohio. So everybody had guitars and mandolins uh, and violins and washboards. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> your hands on. and yeah. I would sit at the feet of adults who sang and played and just soak it up and mm. I was so fortunate to have that early upbringing in music it was just everything to me and I I don't remember a time when I didn't want to sing or play or write or be have music be part of what I was doing um, okay. I think it was just always part of me yeah so one of the things other things that I read and a lot of our listeners may know this is that you are a very prolific multifaceted writer Oh. And you, you write for all kinds of things. I mean, you've written for other artists, you've written for film and TV, you've written, uh, I, I think a musical or something. Mm -hmm. So where did, where did that writing come into the music process for you? Well, you know, I think quite honestly, I think, um, I, I got it probably the bug for writing, or I guess I wouldn't even call it the bug. I'd call it the gene from my father. My, my, I didn't really know my father growing up, uh, my biological father, but he was a songwriter and a very okay. good one. And I think that I just kind of genetically inherited that, that writing, but it wasn't that I really knew that was what I wanted until I came to Nashville to tell you the truth. And I, oh, okay. I moved here the day after college graduation, like literally graduated college, <laughs> left the service, packed a rider truck and drove down here the next day. Oh, wow. so I know it was crazy. My mother thought I was crazy. Everybody thought I was crazy and maybe <laughs> I was, but you know, do one thing every day that scares you. But yeah. um, I think when I was here, I interned for um, Brentwood Benson at the time oh, sure. with Brentwood Benson. And my job was to make cassette tapes of songs that people had written for pitching for the purpose oh. of the pitching to other artists. And that was when I really like fell in love with songwriting and was like, I think this is the thing I really want to do. So I just dove in and, and I really have no, um, yeah, I have no prejudice about what kind of music to write. I love to write everything across the board and I find each thing comes with its own struggles and its own triumphs and different joys. And I love that I've like looked back on my life and I see kind of the curves and valleys and the uh -huh. places that it's moved. And it's really interesting. It's interesting to, to see it, you know, how it's progressed, how my writing's progressed. Did you move to Nashville with the intention of I'm going to get into music? Is that why you went? I did. I moved yeah. to Nashville with the intention of I'm going to be a rock star. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's, that was really my, my selfish intention, you know, and then quickly after I realized I was here for two weeks when I realized, oh my gosh, everybody in this town wants to do the same thing I'm doing and 90% of them are better than me at it. So it was kind of one of those moments of, well, I either need to work hard to get better at what I'm doing or I need to give up and go home. So I just worked really hard and set some goals for myself, like some some marker goals about time. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm going to do this by this time, this by this time, I'm, I'm kind of type A. And this yeah. by this time, and if these things don't happen, then I'll reassess, maybe go back to school. But, um, but you know, God had the plan and, and yeah. those things kind of fell into place and they lined up. And so I stayed here. So it's, it's cool when kind of your love and passion aligns with what God has done or maybe what you know, God's put those things in your heart. Um, but I'd be curious a little bit about, you know, your personal testimony, because obviously, I mean, I say obviously because I've read about you, but um, yeah. you grew up, you grew up in a home where um, your faith was important. But I often like to hear about when was it that that faith became real to you and not something that, you know, I'm doing this because mom said I had to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a very religious home and um, I, I kind of love to talk about how I was sort of um, religiously diverse. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> ecumenical household because my grandmother was Catholic. My grandfather was Presbyterian and they eloped because when they got married, it was like considered a mixed marriage for a Presbyterian yeah. to marry Catholic. So um, they eloped when they were young and my family very much operated under that. We are sort of different viewpoints on our faith, but we are one faith. So I've, I'm really blessed that I came from that kind of a home where 
those divisions didn't exist. And, right. and I'll say that when I went to college, uh, I went to Ohio State, um, the Ohio State University. But I went there and really right away just turned my back on religion and God mm. and didn't have any interest to tell you the truth in anything religious because I'd spent my life in it. And, you know, it was a very, it was a time of freedom and exploration. I think a lot of kids go through it in college. And so I just kind of fell away from church. And then I came back my senior year of college, but through a non-denominational fellowship. Okay. And one of my friends would not shut up. She kept inviting me to this thing. And I was like, I don't want to go. No, I don't. Wanna. <laughs> and finally she said to me, you know, we have free coffee and donuts. And I was like, fine, I'll be there. You know, so because I was only in it for the food, hungry college sure. food. So I went to this thing and it was so intriguing because it wasn't like anything I experienced. I grew up in the Catholic faith. And so everything is, you know, very traditional, liturgically mm -hmm. minded, very Eucharistic centric. And all this was, was you grab a coffee and donuts and you come in and you're welcome to take off your shoes and sit on the floor of a warehouse and listen to mm. different people talk about scripture. And I think God knew that that was something I needed because I, I love my faith and I've since gone back to the Catholic church and I am Catholic now, but I, what I love about that time was that God, I think knew what the missing piece was for me that I needed. Mm. And for me, that missing piece was the study of scripture and falling in love uh. with scripture and understanding you know, why we do what we do in my faith and what we believe and what the scriptures have to inform and teach us. And so that was a really sweet time to me. And I didn't, um, I didn't go back to the Catholic church until I was about two and a half, three years into my marriage okay. with my husband, who I promised I would never go back to the Catholic church. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, when, when God calls you somewhere, he calls you and you just, mm -hmm. you can't, you know, you can't deny the call of the Lord. And so I, we worked it out and he's of course wonderful with it now, but it's interesting that it's come full circle that I find myself once again in an ecumenical marriage. And I mm -hmm. always feel like if my husband and I can make it work, if my grandparents could make it work, oh, the world, we should be able to make it work. Yeah. We should be able to, you know, respect one another's denominations. And I just think that's such a basic thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think that goes to play into a lot of what we're dealing with in society right now is that we can be different and yet still get along. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I would submit that, you know, even Christ discusses this, that the, the difference of people is is the beauty. It is the beauty yes. of the kingdom of God, yeah. that people are so diverse and so different, and everybody comes from a different place, a different race, a different creed, a different socioeconomic background, and that's what makes us so beautiful, and that's what yeah. makes this world such a holy place. And while we're here, it really is our job to, like, decipher, okay, what, how do I, how do I see the kingdom of God in this place with the time that I've been given? And I think so much of it has to do with love of one another, truly loving yeah. one another for where we are. I heard somebody recently say, you know, I think, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to surprise it. We're going to be surprised at who we see there. <laughs> I, and, I always say that. I mean, I think we're going to walk up there and go, how the heck did you get in here? Like, that's going to be our first 20 minutes. And the flip side of that, I think, is we're going to be surprised who we don't see there. <laughs> yes, that could be. <laughs> it could very well be, too. I know. Oh, gee, I just hope I make the cut. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Okay, Lord. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so your faith became real to you um, later in college. Um, did that how did that start playing into your music? Or, or I mean, were you writing music at that time? Well, I wasn't really. I was majoring in music in schools, but um, because at the time, at the time, I mean, I lived in Ohio, and the only music writing degree was um, like classical music. That was oh, okay. what was offered, you know. So, yeah. um, so at the time, there wasn't much, and I kind of went to my professor and said, "Could I?" major in songwriting instead of like classical composition and he said basically I, he could create a double major for me so oh, I, wow. I had my degree in, in theory and composition but my emphasis was on like songwriting so okay so what informed me though was those last two years uh well that last year and a half of college kind of when I was coming back into my faith, a friend of mine turned me on to Christian music and I had never heard Christian music. To mm. me, Christian music was, um, you know, what I heard in church on Sunday. So yep. that would be high church liturgical music. So that was church music. That was Christian music to me. And they, my friend was like, well, you've got to hear these. So he introduced me to 
Amy Grant, um, Second Chapter of Acts, Stephen Curtis Chapman, and of course, the one that I think changed everything for me, Keith Green. Oh, and yes. I really just dove into that music and I it shocked me because I think I always had a preconceived notion and to listen to Keith Green I was like wow this music does not suck. In fact yeah. this music is yeah. good and he's <laughs> yeah. super talented and he's saying something that I really need to hear in my heart. So mm. that that was a surprise and I think I just fell in love with um writing and oh another one at that time was um uh, out of the gray, out of the gray. Oh, yes. And it's interesting because, yeah, because I work with Scott quite a bit now and it's so funny. Like he played on my first record and even then I remember thinking, I can't believe Scott Dente's playing on <laughs> It was such a cool yeah. thing. But, um, but yeah, so they really informed like some of my early desire to write this kind of music. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, about faith. And I would, I would really credit all those folks for that. Were you writing before you became a believer or did you, did that kind of, was that an outflow of, of your I was, faith? Okay. I was, I always dabbled in it and I was of course writing classical music and um, I was writing some fun pop music, but not mm-hmm. very much. Like I, I, not very much to be quite honest, like just dabbling in it here and there. And I really wrote my first Christian tune when I was in college Um, I remember it was called, I will wait. And I asked my professor if I could play it at the, um, at my recital. Cause you know, all singers Mm -hmm. in composition have to do a recital. So I played it at my recital and everybody freaked out over it. Like everybody jumped to their feet and applauded. And I was like, man, maybe I'm onto something here. So (laughs) that was, that was sort of the first kind of telltale of, yeah, maybe I should move to Nashville. Right. Yeah. So, so you went to Nashville to become a rock star and, <laughs> and, and yeah. you, and you actually, you've recorded about a dozen or so albums uh, yeah. up, up to this point. So I just did number 12, just finished number 12. So which do you prefer? Do you prefer writing or recording? Oh, I'm much, well, oh gosh, that's such a hard one. I probably prefer, I prefer writing but I love recording. I mean, I love it. So I, but it's hard for me to choose because I love them both. I love being in the studio. I love that space. I love creating something with other people. Um, but I, I do really, truly love writing too. And I love, I love writing with other people, but I also love writing by myself. So um, just all of it. So then the next question is, do you like, if you had to choose between recording and performing, do you have a preference there? Oh, uh <laughs> okay so probably recording but only because i'm an introvert like i actually like performing so very much but what i like about performing the most is hugging people afterwards quite honestly Mm. and of course in Mm. covid days we can't do that like i love meeting people and i'm that person that will wait until i have signed every cd and talk to every person and Uh, like i won't leave early i will stay until everybody's been spoken to because i believe that's it's it's an honor for me that they're allowing themselves to be part of my story. You know, I get to be yeah. part of their story and, and they're honoring me by wanting to talk to me and let me have a part of their story too. So, but, um, but so I love it all. I, but I think, yeah, I've, it's amazing because in COVID I've been doing concerts every Sunday night on Facebook. Right. And I love that, but I really don't miss being on the road. I, I miss the people I just don't miss the planes and the hotels and the loneliness yeah. that accompanies being on the road. Yeah. And if, and if you could figure out a way to truly hug through Facebook, maybe that would change the whole world, right? <laughs> Virtual <laughs> hugs is what I call them. Yeah. And I'll just kind of reach out and hug people, but it's, it is not the same. It is not the same. Right. And I, right. I fully believe that as musicians, you know, I, I've always kind of, I don't really admire that life of having to be a distant musician. I, I love the relationship factor of music because it's not just that you've heard a song of mine and you like it and your heart was blessed. It's that you have somehow you felt connected to me. And so we, whether I like it or not, or you like it or not, now we kind of have this relationship and that's important to note. And that's why at concerts, it's so important for me to talk to people because it is about at the end of the day, relationships one another yeah well and i think that's one of the outgrowths of this whole covid situation is i think i'm hearing a lot more people talk about real community mm-hmm. not digital community but the part that we've all been you know shut in our homes and are finally missing for real and it's like oh 
I long for that so. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, that was why it was so important to me when COVID happened. I, I was off the road March 12th. I came home. Mm-hmm. We moved all of the gigs. Like we moved every single concert that I had upcoming to next year. So 2021. Okay. And we just said, we're done. We're going to quit. And now we're doing it with fall too. Fall and winter, we're just moving everything. But, um, you know, it was important to me to say what what can be done. And I think there, that is a question that all of us who are musicians have been asking ourselves and need right. to ask ourselves. And it's not just what can be done so that I can earn a living, although that's part of it. Right, sure. But it's really what can I do to keep people, to help keep people sane and happy? What is my part in this? And I like to think of it like I grew up in farm country and I used to see in the spring, you know, farmers out there and they'd have on those rubber waiter boots because mm-hmm. the farms are so messy and they'd just be out there in the muck and the manure and it's just like the messiest, grossest thing. But, you know, when August came, we would have the most incredible sweet corn that you've ever tasted uh-huh. in your life. And I say that's how COVID is right now. All of us have to look at it like it's time to put on our waiter boots to get in the muck, to get in and do the work so that we can see how this manifests in a year. And oh. I am, I so fully believe that what we sow right now yes. it will yield good fruit. Just because we're locked in our home and just because all we have is digital means doesn't mean that we're not still sowing seeds for God's right. kingdom. Like we're still right. called to, to do something. And these little Sunday things and my Wednesday morning prayers and reaching out through Facebook and sending people notes like, the, that's what I can do right now. That's and, and everybody has to find out what they can do. Yes. Well, I'm a firm believer in the scripture that says, and God works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. And I think that means COVID too, you it know? Does. And I think I'm seeing a lot of people who are expressing a new hunger and a desire for the spiritual that they may not understand and know. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the reason that we're going through this. Or maybe the reason is that, you know, those creatives like yourself, I'm I'm an accountant by trade, so I'm not that creative. Uh, (laughs) You don't want a creative accountant to call that Enron, I think. Um, But, you know, how do we reach out and, and, and build this community in spite of stuff? And then I think the trick is going to be once this all gets back to whatever new normal is, how do we maintain this new community and really be reaching to each other and, and, and supporting each other? Completely. I think those are great thoughts, very on point. And, you know, there is something about, and I, I will say it happened to me too. And and I'm sure that if people are listening, it's probably happened to them. It's, I think it's happening to all of us that for the first couple of weeks of COVID, you know, I'm used to a life of complete chaos. I'm on right. the road all the time. I'm traveling all the time, recording all the time. I have two children, you know, that I'm raising. And so like, it's just complete chaos. And when the brakes were put on that, for two weeks, I went nuts. Like I cleaned every closet. <laughs> I, you know, I scoured my house. I was just looking for anything to do because I had all this energy. And at about yeah. week three, I sort of stopped and took stock and went, okay, what, what am I doing? Like what? Cause I'm not, I'm going to be in this for the next six months. So what am I doing? And it's really interesting when all of that is pulled away from you And what you're left with is your own heart and your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's spiritually going through that right now. Mm -hmm. Even people who are not spiritual or or profess that they're not spiritual, they're going through that too. They're alone with their heart and they're alone with their thoughts. And so what, what is in that manifestation? For me, it's been, you know, trying to do more things with my children. Mm -hmm. I've been journaling. I haven't journaled in two years because I'm too busy to journal, Mm. but I've been journaling. I've been diving into scripture more. So like, I think it's a, it's a matter of us taking stock and really listening to what, what we're supposed to be hearing and doing right now. And it's going to be different for everybody. It's going to be different for everybody. And I know it's harder. It's harder for some people when, you know, they're worried about their livelihoods. They don't have money. It's definitely harder, but I do hope that everybody gets a chance to kind of just stop and take stock and, and not worry about anybody else, but just simply say, Lord, what would you have me know? What, what are you speaking to me? I need to hear. So how, so this is kind of a outgrowth of that, that kind of pausing, if you will, how has this, this put the world on hold 
affected your songwriting? Has that given you more time to write or have you actually adjusted how you're doing? I mean, you talked about adjusting how you do your life, but how's that, yeah. how has that affected the actual craft of creating your, your art? Right. Well, the hardest part has actually just been co-writing because I do mm. love to co-write, but I don't feel safe to physically co-write with other people. Sure. Um, I'm asthmatic. And so I have to be extra careful. Um, although I have a co-write coming up in a couple weeks and we're going to sit on the back porch and it'll be my first one where we're going to sit uh, on the back porch, but I've been doing Skype writes and FaceTime mm-hmm. writes and they're fine. You know, they work fine, but they're not quite the same as being in a room with someone. Um, I have had more time to create, which has been great, but the things I've been creating have been, um, all over the map, like, mm, mm-hmm. uh, and also um, because I'm a speaker as well, you know, I do a lot of keynoting and a lot of, of speaking with my concerts. Um, a lot of stuff has gone virtual. And so sure. the, the crazy thing about that is it takes 10 times as much. Like, for mm. example, I, I just did a um, something for some folks in Canada this week, and it was an hour and a half session. Now, if it, in normal times I fly up to Canada, I do my hour and a half and I fly home the next day. Right. But this took me like two days to make a bunch of movies and populate a lot of content. Yeah. And, you know, so it's <laughs> time consuming in a much different way. Um, so that's taking a lot of my creative time as well. But yeah, I think I've written more and I've been working on some, uh, I work on children's animations as well. So oh, I've just written two new ones of those. And that's been so much fun. So much fun. Um, I'm so happy to have that work. Well, one of the things, you know, as we prepared to talk, you you wrote something that just really kind of captured me. You said, I want to talk about the spirituality of now, what we are walking through, and how to maintain our love for God and others in this crazy political climate. Mm. Now, that's a different kind of... I, I personally think it's a slight outgrowth of all being cooped up for a while. We have to have an outreach uh, and how people are choosing to do that. But yeah. regardless, we've got this crazy political stuff going on right now. This crazy, again, getting back to it's not okay to disagree kind of a thing. Right. What caused you to write that uh, suggestion and how do we? how do you deal with that? Well, I think that this current political climate um, – it's so sad. It's so unfortunate. And I, I, I stand in awe of it, to tell you the truth, because I feel that something that's happened is we've lost our ability to be civil. And, yes. you know, I went to a high school where we had debate team and we had civil discourse and people would talk and then laugh and talk and that, you know, and there's no more of that. There's no more let's disagree, but love each other. There's no right. more let's disagree and then have a good handshake over it and go get a beer those days are kind of gone. And I think that is what so, is so sad, our, our inability to have true civil discourse and be civil with one another. Um, how do we get through it? That is a good question. Um, and I don't know the answer because I, I kind of look at it like I look at um, – I have a good friend who's a marriage counselor. Mm-hmm. This is the best analogy I think I can Sure, yeah. She says when she counsels divorce, couples who are talking about divorce, if one of them is, you know, sitting there with their arms crossed and they won't talk and they won't even argue and they won't say anything, they've already left the marriage. Mm, yeah. And she's probably not going to be able to help them. And I yeah. feel that way that, that so many people are – are cross-armed and closed-minded and they've already left. They're, they're not mm-hmm. going to return to the ability to be civil. It's, it's beyond them, you know? And, yeah. and I think, so the answer for that is then here's Christ standing in front of us, you know, do good to your enemy when they persecute yeah. you. And, and that's really it. That's all we can do. Um, you know, I, I was in uh, I was in a town that I'm not going to mention. Yesterday, my family and I went antiquing because we love to do that, yeah. and flea marketing. And you know, we all have our masks on. We are mask wearing mm-hmm. family everywhere we go. And n- truly, in this town, in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, we were the only people wearing masks. Not mm-hmm. one other person. And I thought, this is to me. This mask is my gesture of love. This mm-hmm. is how I show you that I love you. This is how I show you that I know it's not about me. 
Mm-hmm. Am I going to tell you that? No, because I'm not here to make you feel guilty. Am I going to preach to you about this? No, because that's not my job. But but my job is to love you. Yes. So if walking around and wearing this mask, even if you disagree with me, to show you that I love you is what I must do, that is what I must do. And yeah. I'm, I made last week also some rules for myself about social media. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw mm-hmm. them, but... Um, I yeah, share them with us because I, I did see those, but I thought oh, that would be a great thing to share. You know what? I have them right here above my computer. So I'm just going to read them to you and yeah. it's a little bit long, but, um, but I'm doing this every day now. So I put social media questions to ask myself before I post anything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Ever. All right. So is it kind right. if the person or people in the situation I'm discussing are sitting right in front of me, would I say this to them? And I think that's important because there's something about Facebook and Insta and Twitter that divide us from people. So we feel like we can say anything. But Mm -hmm. if that person were physically with us, we would never say that to them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So is it kind or is it cruel? And then is it true? Do I have knowledge of it firsthand from many sources? Am I sure? Am I sure? Am I really sure? (laughs) I liked when you said that. Yes. Is it true or is it hearsay or is it rumor? Yeah. And then next, is it helpful? When I think about writing it, will it help challenge someone, heal someone, give them guidance, or offer hope to them in some way? Is it helpful or is it harmful? Is it funny? And this one is important (laughs) to me because I love memes. Like I do. I just love, I love jokes. I come from an Irish family. We told jokes all the time. (laughs) That is important to me. Yes. But, you know, there's a difference. So is it a joke or meme that is harmless? A piece of ridiculousness meant for others to lift their spirits. Is it funny or is it making fun? And I think Mm. that is what drives me nuts about Twitter. I hate Twitter, and I think I hate Twitter because it's just a place where everybody makes fun of other people, and I I hate it so much. I hate it. Uh, Is it meaningful? Is it something that will bring hope, make way for peace? Very important to me. Invite real conversation and build relationship. Is it meaningful or is it meaningless? And I'll be honest, I've probably written a couple of meaningless things in the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it necessary? Is it crucial to say? Does it need to be said? Is it something I am passionate about that I can speak about with love that is important to discuss? Is it necessary or is it needless? And the last one, which I added because I think this is so important to me, is it kingdom building? Will it draw God's children together in mercy and in love? Is it kingdom building or is it kingdom dismantling? And I think that's a question people don't ask enough. Does this Mm -hmm. build the kingdom of God or does this tear it apart? Like literally this this one sentence that I'm about to type on as a comment on a friend's wall, does this tear apart the kingdom? And I I wish we all would think about that before we comment or post anything. Um, because it is the beginning of change. And I don't think we realize as a society how much social media has like caused that lack of civil discourse, how, what a culprit it is in the fact that we can't civilly discourse with one another anymore. No, I read those and I thought, oh my gosh, that is so succinct into what we should all be thinking about. And I would imagine that if if we took time to read those bullet points Mm -hmm. before we actually posted anything, Common sense might kick us in the butt and say, yeah, that's probably not a good thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Or if we would just remember what our mama said, which is, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If we could yeah. just remember that. You know, yes. but, uh, but people, I don't know, you know, the human condition is we want to be right mm-hmm. and we don't like to be wrong. And yep. if we think we're right, we it gives us this power and this drive to say, well, everybody needs to know how right I am. And sometimes that's just not true. Yeah. Nobody yeah. really needs to know. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you said, and I've been uh, preaching this for a long time. Nobody listens, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> is, okay. Uh, we have tried to make social media a substitute for physical presence. Right. At first it was, you know, look at all the trips that I've been on. Look at the things that I've done. And those are fun. Look at the food that I'm eating. Remember yes. everybody did food posts. But it, the bottom line was, Look at how look at all the good stuff in my life, and I'm not sharing the bad stuff in my life. Right. And so, when we are in community, when we sit down for a cup of coffee together, when we sit down and break bread together, we're entering into a space with each other where not only do we hear each other or 
in the case of social media, read what each other's saying, but we also then can read the body language and right. the, at which we miss completely on social media. And so there's no way to know, oh my gosh, what I'm saying is kind of offending them because they're starting to, you know, lottery yeah. position. Oh, now this is hurtful. Now. And we're missing all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the reasons I started this conversation podcast thing is because I wanted us to learn how are people building real community. Now, that's not to say that social media doesn't have a part of real community, but I think it's just a, a nut on the top of the ice cream sundae. To get to the real sundae, you need to spend time face-to-face with each other. Right. I completely agree with that. And, and you know, it's difficult too because I think of all those people, like this is a great example of, of how how the internet can be a community. You know, before COVID, my church did not broadcast their services. Mm -hmm. And now when I think about all those, all of our elderly parishioners who are homebound or in nursing homes or people who find it incredibly difficult to get to church on Sunday, how that has ministered to them, what a beautiful thing that is, you know? And and so, so in some ways it can really help build community, but you're right. In other ways, we make it an excuse to substitute community. Um, What Facebook should be, this is what I always say, what it should be is a place where we can go hop on and see how our friends in high school are doing because we can't be with them. The people we can't be with when we can't be with each other, then that's it's perfect for that to see how's your life what are you up to thanks for sharing with me and you know but what we've made it is that is our substitution it's mm-hmm. true it's true and it's very difficult and what are we to do right now you know <laughs> yeah yeah well it's easier to just you know roll out of bed and and say hi to your friends without having to you know shower and put on some clean clothes yeah. and, and smell <laughs> nice but the reality of it is smelling uh, stinking next to each other is probably where the community and the growth of friendship really comes. Well, that's what Jesus says. You know, the shepherds mm-hmm. should smell like the sheep. And if we don't, <laughs> if we don't smell like community, you know, we're, are we really are we really doing it? Are we really building the kingdom of God? And it's a hard question right now because mm-hmm. of COVID. And it's time when it's very scary out there, you know, and we can't join in the ways that we have been in the past. Mm-hmm. And and this is one of those times when it's weird because we're being asked to not hug each other, not see each mm-hmm. other. But that is that is kingdom building. That's mm-hmm. taking care of each other. So it feels very counterintuitive to do that. Do you think it's maybe the Lord's way of showing us what we need uh, because he's going to take it all away from us and so that maybe when we get back together, we'll start embracing that again? Well, I don't, I, you know, it's funny because I don't think God is necessarily a God who punishes, but I do think that this, this that's happening in our world is an opportunity for the Lord to show us um, something about ourselves, yes, something about our world, something that we, we need, and it's going to be different for every person. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think that my hope is that people are going inward to listen and to discover and using this time to hear the voice of God. Um, I, I have heard so many people say, and I think it's true that COVID has a tendency to either bring out the best of us or the worst of us. Mm, yeah. And we really have to fight to make sure that it's bringing out what is best in us, what yeah. is, what is best in us. And that has to be an individual decision that we all come to. Yes. My pastor said something a couple of weeks ago that really struck a chord with me regarding social media. He says, are you spending as much time in the Word as you are on Facebook? Mm, It's really smart. Really smart. Because if we were, I think our perspectives, I know mine did, Mm -hmm. change. Because I started to try to follow that, and um, Mm -hmm. I don't do as good as I'd like. But my perspective definitely changed when I started to follow that guideline. Wow, what a great guideline. And it absolutely is. It absolutely is. I always say, you know, I'm surrounded by Bibles. I probably have six Bibles <laughs> right now on my shelf. There's only really one that I read that's dog-eared and horrible. But, yeah. you know, and I also have a lot of sacred books. And I, I pull from my books every day but for different things. But, mm-hmm. you know, what you're talking about, like just saying, all right, I'm going to read this book. No, I'm not very good about that, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm good about, well, today I feel this, so I'm going to turn to Proverbs. Well, today I feel this, so I'm going to turn to First John because I know there's really, but I think 
perhaps we could all benefit from a little bit of a little bit more digging and a little bit of soul searching there. I know I could. <laughs> I'm, I'm agreeing 100%. I mean, it's like yeah. it's like we were twins separated at birth or yeah. something. It's just like, <laughs> oh man, you're speaking some of the things that I think so much, but much more eloquently. And I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it just, you know, it is what it is. I mean, and, and yet at the same time, I will say, you know, I'm Catholic. So I've grown up understanding guilt in a big way. Mm. And <laughs> yeah. that's no joke. Like people joke about Catholic guilt, but let me tell you, it is a real thing. It is mm. a very real thing. And so, I would never want to, you know, guilt myself into, I don't read enough. I don't pray enough. I don't study enough. Um, So I, I, I never want it to go there because I know that I have a danger to do that. But what I do think is we can all challenge ourselves without feeling guilt, without feeling shame, but saying, okay, maybe I should do X, Y, Z, and I'm going to try. But if we fail, not being completely hard on ourselves, just understanding that God always catches us and we are covered up in grace and we are loved, loved, loved. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that I've I've thought about often is, especially in this last three or four months is, and I'm still learning this, is what does God really want with me? Mm. What he really wants with me he doesn't ask me to do some things to be saved. He doesn't ask. All I have to do is draw close to him. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. That's relationship. Right. And that's exactly what we're longing for from one another. And so how can we develop that relationship? And and I'm a very tactile person. And so mm-hmm. I've often struggled with, you know, I'm created in God's image, and yet God doesn't choose to touch me physically with a hug. Right. So he must be relying on his body to do that. Right. And we are the body of Christ. And so yeah. and so for us to say, okay, Lord, if if we are to be in relationship with you, and relationship means being close and intimate with one another, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then that must be how you want us to work with each other. Yeah. And it is. And it is. And and maybe a time such as this reminds us of that. A time yeah. such as this when we literally physically can't do that and aren't supposed to do that perhaps it will make us appreciate it and it will be all the sweeter you know mm-hmm. and something you just said a moment ago about um it was it's kind of a why am i here question you know mm-hmm. uh, which i think is very interesting and um, i've had people say to me and maybe they've said this to you over the years too but they say oh you know you just it's so clear that what you're doing is God's will. And I always want to say, is it like <laughs> to, to who, to you, not to me, but yeah. you know, because I've, I've thought about that question a lot, like, Lord, what, what, why am I here? Like, Lord, why am I here? And so now when people say that, why are you, why are we here? What is the meaning of life? Like literally my answer is, I don't know, but I'll find out the day I die. Mm. And what I mean by that is I think it's a, it's a series of you doing, as Mother Teresa calls it, the small things with great love all of your life, just doing all of the small things with great love every day, doing the best that you can with what you've got. And all of that adds up to at last on that day when we get to go to eternity and we see it and, you know, God says to us, well done, then we see the meaning of our life. Yeah. I feel like it's that. I don't feel like I have to be able to explain right now. What's my purpose? Why am I here? Like, because I think it's a series of a million reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and that kind of ties into one of the things that I've been wrestling with lately too, is that God created us to be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And so being in relationship with my family doesn't necessarily mean I'm doing things to him and for him all the time, although that's part of it. It is. But sometimes just sitting with each other and being, I mean, just reading books next to each other. Right. That is just as meaningful as going out and, you know, doing something intentionally mm-hmm. to, to bless yeah. the other person. So, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just kind of me stretching a little bit to find uh, you know, my place in this world, but I I'm firmly believing that I am here and who I am and all my flaws, but God created me like this because mm-hmm. he wants to be in relationship with me. Absolutely. And you know, I think that looks it looks um very, very differently to a lot of people. And I always try to say it this way about relationship, because that's a, that's a tricky question. And it's kind of like a a buzzword about, and a lot of people, I think, agonize over it. What is my relationship with God supposed to look like? What is that supposed to look like? You know? And I always say, well, imagine if you will, a family of 10 
Do you know any families of 10, like a big family? And I know a lot of them. Okay. <laughs> but you know yeah. a lot of big families. And then you know the father of that family or the mother of that family. And now think about the relationship that that father has with all those children or that mother has with mm. all those children. And I guarantee you it's different. Every yeah. child, the relationship is different. Some are closer. Some are not as close. Some like to do this together. Some this is more meaningful for them. And so that is the way God is with us. We, all of us, have a different relationship with the Lord. What my relationship looks like is not what yours will look like. It's not what anybody else's will look like. You know, um, I talk to God about things that I think people would look at me like I was nuts if they knew I talked to God about that, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. And I talk to God often in a way that people are like, okay, that sounds, what, what are you doing? Yeah. But but I think that this is this is the crux of it, um, that, that it is individual it is each individual relationship and that is out of that that is what builds community is our knowledge and our security that we're a child of god and that's what builds community i believe wow that's beautiful yeah and that dad or that mom loves each of those 10 kids right equally equally it's just differently differently equally and differently and, yeah. and that's not a bad thing like that's yeah. the thing that the, so why so why if me and my catholic faith and somebody else in their assembly of god faith and somebody else in their baptist faith and somebody else in their methodist faith why that's the same father who has relationship with all of us and loves yep. us equally but we we see him differently and we have different conversations a different relationship and that is okay that's yes. what makes it beautiful that's what makes yeah. it beautiful and yes. I will go to my grave on that soapbox. <laughs> that, that is what makes it so beautiful. The kingdom of God, it's, it's incredible diversity. Well, I, I would like to close with two more questions. And this is a, a, a diverse change from where we were before. But I, okay. I would, I, one of the things I saw is, uh, and especially after having heard you say that you were very shy and you know, performance is not always your favorite thing in public, what caused you to be able to sing in St. Francis Square in 2013 oh. in front of uh, Pope Francis and, oh, yeah, 150,000 of his closest friends? <laughs> that was totally the Holy Spirit. That's all I can say. I prayed so much before I got up and sang. And then I knew, too, I'm like, because it, it's a really emotional thing for me. It's That was a very emotional thing for me. My grandmother yeah. would have loved to see that moment she was there yeah. she was there you know but um it was very emotional so i couldn't look at the holy father because i was like if i look over in his direction i'm gonna cry so <laughs> i looked up at the top of the of vatican city and there was this super hideous gargoyle like that i could see <laughs> and i'm like i'm just gonna sing to that gargoyle so literally that's what i did i'm like praying to the holy spirit <laughs> singing to a gargoyle and i got through it and it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> but it was beautiful and I'm still processing the moment. I got to meet him and hug him and that was a very special gift. And so mm -hmm. um it was it was a it was intimidating but but good. Really good. Well my purpose of asking that question leads into the final question I'm gonna ask. And that is a lot of times when I'm talking to folks I ask about their career highlights and it always surprises me at how what I think is a career highlight probably isn't. And so yeah. when you're when you're hanging up your 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 songwriting pencil, you're closing off your computer for the last time from writing songs, and you're looking back over your career, what do you hope the highlight of your career in in ministry and music is? You know, the highlight to me, I think it'll be two things. Um, number one, to know that my songs have have brought healing or hope or help to people. Um, that will have been a highlight for me. Um, mm -hmm. I do not take that lightly. I don't take lightly being part of someone's story and knowing that something, for whatever reason, something I've written has helped um, give them hope. And I think that will be that will be the most important thing. But the secondary thing to that, just in terms of like career, is probably the friendships I've made with people along the way, with good mm -hmm. holy people who are seeking the same things I am just to learn to love and um, to get to, to get to that glorious finish line, you know, with all the love and mercy we can hold and um, 
the songwriting is secondary to that. But you know, yeah. just to be in relationship with with people who are are after the same goal and for the same God, um, that's been really beautiful. So yeah. see, it all boils down to relationship and love. Well, the very last thing I'm going to do, and we send out a weekly prayer newsletter. Oh, yeah. And, and we, uh, every week we highlight different musicians and say, hey, guys, let's join in prayer. So how yeah. can we be praying for Sarah in the next uh, few weeks? That is beautiful. Wow. Well, please just pray that, um, first of all, please pray for my family, um, because my family is my biggest ministry partner, my husband and my two girls, and they always have been, and they've sacrificed a lot um, for me to be able to do this work. So I always ask people to pray for my family. Um, but also just, I guess, pray that God just keeps keeps keeping me humble and, <laughs> you know, that I would never get too big for my britches. That's what I'm always praying for. So, um, and and I don't think it's happened yet. So, uh, yeah, you can, you can call me on it though, Dave, if it does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, seriously, I mean this when I say it. I hope everybody prays for peace. Um, I believe that God hears our prayer. And if we have a world full of people who are praying for peace, I believe we can have it. I believe we can achieve it. We have to be willing to love one another and figure out what that means. But the more we pray for it, I think the closer we get to it. I'd really like to thank Sarah Hart for her time with us today. Wasn't that a great conversation? I hope conversations like this help us become the change that our hurting world needs. Sarah offered some great suggestions on how we can be in community and in relationship with one another, and I sure appreciate those thoughts. Oh, and weren't her social media guidelines great? I'm going to put a link to those in the show notes if you'd like to read them again. I'm always grateful that you take the time to listen to this podcast each week. Your notes of encouragement are so meaningful to me, and I love hearing from each of you. You can drop me a quick email on my website, christianmusicarchive.com slash podcast. Oh, and you can also sign up for our weekly prayer newsletter there too. Another way to get a hold of me is on one of my social media sites. You'll find me at CCM Exchange on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. It would also be great if you could help spread the word about this podcast. Uh, tell your friends about these conversations. Give us a five-star rating on your podcast app or write a review to let others know what you think about these conversations. Thanks for doing that. Well, that does it for this week. To find out more about Sarah Hart or other artists like her, visit thechristianmusicarchive.com. And until we get to chat next week, remember that God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>